Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, actually, Pastor Samuel, I do feel a little more of a, uh, a prophetic flow happening here. So I'm going to uh, get my beautiful up in just a moment. But I wanted to lay the, the groundwork on what the prophetic is and what the prophetic isn't. So the title of the message today is The Power and the Purpose of the Prophetic. The Power and the Purpose of the Prophetic. Many, many years ago, I had the misfortune of hearing a song, and it's one of those annoying songs. <sighs> Hector, it's one of those annoying songs where when you hear it, it gets stuck in your head. And it's, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. I mean, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, future, the future's not ours to see? Well, then who, who, whose is it to see? It's a demonic lie. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Actually, if you said to me, hey, pastor, what lie could you inject on a generation to completely cause devastation? That, that would be it. If I could choose any, that would be it. Let me just say this, that you as sons and daughters of the Most High, are created to not just see the future, but to become a, a futurist, to become one who creates the future. You don't have to wait for the future to happen. You don't have to sit there and cross your fingers and, man, I, I hope the future's kind to me. You can create the future. A lot of people think that the prophetic is, is you know, like predicting the future or it's divination or it's fortune-telling or it's stargazing. It's, it's none of those things. It's none of those things. The prophetic is very, very powerful. Matthew 6, 10, Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And Jesus here in the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was telling the, the 9 a.m. Uh, service that... A lot of people think that, you know, heaven has a perfect track record of God's will being done. And right now, it's kind of restored to that, but it doesn't have 100%. Because Lucifer rebelled while it was in heaven. You say, well, maybe, you know, in God's sovereignty, I was raised Calvinist. And in God's sovereignty, God created evil. God, God can neither create evil nor does he nor is he tempted by evil. That's terrible theology. Five times we read in Isaiah 14, Lucifer saying, I will be like the Most High. I will exalt myself. I will sit above the stars of heaven. I will. Five times he says, I will. No wonder he lost his place because heaven is heaven because it's God's will. When Jesus came to earth, he said, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass by without me drinking it, please. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. Lucifer in heaven said, not thy will, my will be done. 
Adam and Eve when they reached out and ate from the tree. Now, a lot of people say, well, why would God put a tree that would kill them in the garden? Why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? It's very, very simple because authority flows where submission exists. You have to be under authority to have authority. So God gave Adam and Eve authority to have dominion over the whole earth. So he says, and the way that you're going to keep that is I have to, I'm giving you all of these trees to eat from, but there's going to be one tree that's my tree. And all you have to do is just eat from all the other trees, but not that one and acknowledge that I'm Lord over your life. You know, don't eat from that tree. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. I don't want that for you. Don't eat from that tree. By doing that, you are submitted under my authority and therefore that authority will flow through you. So isn't it interesting the devil comes and tempts them to eat from that tree. On the day that they ate from that tree, they said, not thy will, my will be done. On that particular day, the largest ever, Jason, the largest ever real estate transaction in the history of the world took place. God gave Adam the earth and the fullness thereof And in one day, they lost all of earth. They lost all of terra firma over to the devil. So much so that we see that arrogant schmuck pacing backwards and forwards in the book of Job when God says, well, where have you come from? He says, I've come from the earth, walking to and fro and traveling back and forth upon it like he owns it. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread, like he owns the earth. We're in a battle for the earth. Revelation says, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell therein, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. So if the earth is meant to reflect heaven on earth as it is in heaven, if you read the book of Revelation, the, the dragon and his angels fought against Michael and his angels. Michael and his angels fought back and there was no longer a place found for the devil. The devil was driven out, that great serpent of old, the devil who is called Satan, and he was cast, cast into the earth. So the problem Leanne and I were talking about on the way here is that we had uh, two decades of pastors who refuse to acknowledge evil, refuse to engage evil. The evil that we're seeing right now didn't just all of a sudden magically pop up overnight. That evil has been present, that evil has been scheming, that evil has been planning, that evil has been operating. The the two decades of leadership should have identified it, isolated it, and then eliminated it. Instead, it's kind of got kicked down the road. They decided to go woke. They decided to go the full grace gospel. They decided to, hey, let's just reinvent Jesus. He needs some reinventing. Let's reinvent Jesus as your non-judgmental friend who's just, you know, he's not judging or pushing his word on you you just live how you want he'll be there to mop up afterwards and now he loves you too much to let you do stupid so he sends his word because his word brings transformation so the the word the word in in the hebrew for earth is the word adama god pulled adam out of the adama adama is is a female is female Because God would put his seed, God would put his word into the Adama and the Adama would respond so that on earth as it is in heaven. When we bring the prophetic, 
the, 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 assignment, the assignment of the church, the assignment of the house of God is to be that, that entity on earth that is leaning in to the heavenly realm. The, the, the difference between man and animal, I used to say was that man is the only one that was, has the ability to speak. The ancient Chinese symbol for man is a mouth with legs because man was given the, the ability to speak. God created man in his image and his likeness. God is a speaking God and he created man to speak. We rule over the animal kingdom, not because I'm stronger than a male gorilla or faster than a leopard, but because they can't speak and we can. So we can prophesy, we can speak God's word, we can declare God's word into the earth. But the other, there's another dynamic is that the angels are spirits and they operate in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. The beasts, the animals are flesh. They came from the earth and to the earth they return. They operate in the earthly realm. You and I are dual. You and I are dual citizens. While, while we, we have flesh and blood because we were, were created from the earth, we operate in the earthly realm, but God breathed into Adam the spirit, the breath of life, and so now we, are, we can operate in the heavenly realm. The assignment of the prophetic is for you and I to see into the heavenly realm, hear a word from heaven, and then release it into the earth. When we release the word of God into the earth, the earth begins to look like heaven. Uh, many times over, the, over our years, I've met people. We, when we were in Israel, we met some uh, Jewish Holocaust survivors and many of them were atheists. They were atheists because, and this is what they, they said, they said because of the atrocities that they saw in the concentration camps, they could not, they just could not get their head around how could there be a loving God and this is taking place. Uh, you may have heard the story where Leanne and I, when we got our first home in New Zealand, the gentleman who played a major part in that miracle was an atheist who had fought in World War II. And he was an atheist because of what he saw in the battlefield. It found it very, very hard to reconcile that there could be a loving, caring God. Uh, this is this is intentional by the devil because the devil knows where there's no word, there's no reflection of heaven. Where, where there's no word, there's no order. When God, God, God spoke, let there be light, light was. And then God said, let the waters above separate from the waters beneath. And it was so. And then God said, let, the, 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 let it be called the heavens and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Let the seas be gathered. And it was so. God created, wherever God's word is, comes order. Wherever God's word is, you recognize, my God, this order has an authority. There is a benevolent authority. The reason the devil wants to take the word out of our schools, take the word out of our courts, take the word out of our world is because he wants chaos and disorder so that people doubt the even, even the existence that there could be a loving, benevolent authority governing the affairs of the earth. So therefore, we, we, we lean into to heaven. One of the, the saddest stories in the Bible is uh, in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1, where it says that Zacharias, who is a, a priest, he's a Levite 
of the family of Abijah, he, he gets, the lot falls to him to go into the Holy of Holies. So the temple had the outer court, the holy place, and then the Holy of Holies. Once a year, a priest, a high priest would go in and offer, you know, incense. And, and so this was, this was Zechariah's. And so Zechariah goes in. And as he's in there just, you know, lighting the, the lampstand, the menorah, Gabriel appears to him and says, Zechariah, your prayers are being heard. And Zechariah is like, what the? Which prayers? He's like, what do you mean, which prayers? You are going to have a son. Congratulations, buddy. I mean, gender reveal was all over. You're going to have a son. Zacharias responds and he says, whoa, 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 how can this be? You're a little late, I'm already old. Like, you're about 20 years too late, buddy. Like, I'm well advanced in years and my wife is past the age of childbearing. Bible says Gabriel is perplexed. And Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of the Most High and I have been sent to tell you these things. Now you will be mute until these things take. The reason this happened is because there were 12 tribes. One of the tribes was the Levites. The Levites were the tribe who didn't have an inheritance among the other because the Lord was their inheritance. Their sole job was to to minister the temple. Their sole job was to minister the word. Their sole sole job was to make sure that the light of Zion, the light of truth, the light of the Torah, the light of God's law, the light of God's life was alive in the earth. If there was one tribe who on earth is meant to, so Gabriel comes to earth and he sees Zechariah, he's meant to see a reflection because Gabriel is like a Levite in heaven. He stands in the holy of holies of heaven and here is Zechariah who's standing in the holy of holies on earth which is a reflection of heaven but when Gabriel arrives he arrives with faith that all things are possible and Zacharias who only exists because a man by the name of Abraham believed a word from heaven that even though he was 99 and his wife was 89 this time next year she from her 89 year old womb would bring forth a baby when she was 20 when she was 30 when she was 40 and young the barrenness in her womb was greater than her age and she was unable to conceive but now because of God's word not because of the state of her condition not because of the state of the economy not because of biology but because God had promised Isaac was born and he's a descendant of that and yet he has so become engulfed in the culture that he doesn't believe that all things are possible with God and Gabriel is dumbstruck he's like hang on whoa 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 I ain't going to be the one dumbstruck here I can't believe this I stand in the presence of God and declare what I hear and see you stand in the presence of God but you spew the unbelief and the doubt and the hopelessness of the world and you're the priest I've got to put you on mute before you do more damage you're going to wreck what God wants to do in your life 
We saw in 2020 many, many churches that had stepped back. A, a prophetic guy said that what, what, what we saw in a lot of churches, especially down under in Australia, was they moved from war to adore. When we first got saved, we were singing, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord. And like we had all these songs, this means war, soldiers under command, striper. We, we would sing these songs of like, by the time we got to the prayer meeting, we were ready to, the devils were running for their lives. We were invading high schools and college campuses and church altars were filled every week because we were singing war. But we moved away from war into a door. And I'm not saying that Jesus shouldn't be adored. We should absolutely adore him. But this is a season of war. And so I say all of that to say this, that the assignment of the prophetic is to, is to hear from heaven and release that word into the earth so that the earth, point number one, would reflect heaven. Stand up, Pastor Samuel and Katie. God gave me a word for you guys. Just stretch your hands out towards Pastor Samuel and Katie. The Bible says in, in the book of Samuel's namesake, the book of 1 Samuel, it says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Eli was the priest, but his biological sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were backslidden, were they were reprobates. They, they, they did not care about God. They slept with the young girls who were getting saved. The Bible says they slept with the young women at the, 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 the door way into the temple. Not only that, but they would take the offerings. They would, they would take it for themselves. These were people that no longer cared about God. And so because of that, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. But... What God does is he does something very powerful. There's a woman who's barren called Hannah and she begins to cry out to heaven. And then Eli, even though his own sons are backslidden, Eli releases a word to her. May it be as you have requested. And she conceives in her womb, Shmuel, means God has heard me, a Samuel. We go from the opening stanza of that, 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 those two beautiful books, First and Second Samuel, of there is no widespread revelation. The word of the Lord was rare in those days to one being born who would be raised under the same priest, Eli, but who would hear from heaven and release the word. Kings would be anointed. Giants. He would anoint a shepherd boy who in the next chapter destroys the champion of Gath, so much so that Israel continually has authority over the region of the Philistines all the days of David because he took out its principality, Goliath. And I, and I heard the Lord say that he's brought you here for such a time as this, that, 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 that even before you came here, there was a stirring in you for the prophetic. 
a stirring in you for, for, for the prophetic, but you, 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 the, the stirring was in you because the generation around you had moved into games, it had moved into indulgence, it had moved into appetites, it had moved into things. But your heart was for the things of God. Your heart was for the things of heaven. And so God has repositioned you and brought you here into this house. This is your house. This is your family. And, and what, what God showed me is that you're going to be a, a, not only a word releaser, but you're going to be a raiser of those who will also release the word. Release the word into their marriages, release the word into their finances, release the word into their businesses, release the word into their communities, release the word into the seven mountains and everything will shift and line up. Where the word of the Lord is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who can say to him, what are you doing? And you're gonna, you guys will prophesy, but you guys will raise up prophets. It will become known that my God, how many, how many people can prophesy at that campus is because they sit under a Shmuel and a magnificent Katie in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite my beautiful bride up here who has an amazing word from heaven. So would you welcome the magnificent Pastor Leanne. Good morning, everyone. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you my handsome man. How is everybody? Good. All right. All right. Well, let's get into it. You look, you look really ready. Okay. I'm, I'm going to just release the word that I feel the Lord gave me for, for our church. And I would be so bold to say a word for the church, the, the, the big C church. Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 1, that says this. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. The word that I believe that the Lord is speaking over our church congregation and the churches of the earth right now is, I am balancing the scales. I am balancing the scales. In 2020, at the beginning of 2020, you all know this, the, the whole earth went through a intense shaking all at once. Not one part of the globe went unaffected. And it was like, it was like the Lord got the earth and just shook it. And everything fraudulent and everything phony and everything false all of a sudden just, you know, got exposed and revealed for what it is. But I believe in this season, God is now getting the remaining pieces and putting them back together rightly, putting things back in order. He's balancing the scales. I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to share into that, a couple of points, a couple of teaching points where I believe the Lord is really speaking to us as a church of things that he's bringing a balance back into. The propensity for every human is to pendulum swing. We have a real tough time with balance, mostly. Uh, but the Lord is in this season rebalancing the scales. The first one is this, prosperity and purpose. Prosperity and purpose. We went through seasons in church world where it was all about, you know, eking through life. And if you had stuff, then there was something wrong with you and you were evil and you were sinful and you should just have enough for you. And then we've been through other seasons where it was the blab it and grab it, Name it and claim it, confess and possess it. 
And it, it was very selfishly motivated. In fact, both of those things were very selfishly motivated. That scale is balanced and effective when it's prosperity with purpose. Prosperity with a God and a kingdom purpose. Not just prosperity so we can have bigger homes and bigger cars, not that there's anything wrong with that, but so we can fulfill the great commission on planet Earth. We can attach a purpose beyond just our own circle, our own sphere that actually leaves a legacy beyond us. When you think of the story of Oscar Schindler, you know, he was, he was a man who was an opportunist. He took advantage of a, a tense, tumultuous season to make money for himself. But it wasn't until he got a God vision and a God purpose and attached it to his prosperity that we see a man who left a legacy and changed lives for generations. In, in the book of Luke, we hear about a man who was a prosperous man. But the greatest vision he had for his finance was just to build bigger barns. I mean, get a bigger vision, bro, than bigger barns. And the irony of the story is that night the Lord came to him and said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be required for you. And then who will get what you have left, what you have prepared for yourself? We can actually be intentional with the legacy we leave where we don't just bring a harvest that is left to the four winds when we leave. But I was intentional, God. I was prosperous and I attached purpose to it. So after me, when you do call me home, there is going to be a legacy that I leave behind, a legacy of a kingdom built, of a purpose furthered. Amen, Leanne. Prosperity with purpose. The next one is style with substance. We've come out of an era of, of church building and planting where it was all style and no substance. So the lights and the branding and the attractive pastors with their cool clothes and, and the marketing and, and all the things, but then sadly people would come into that same church and find it lacking. It's, it's like the message that Jesus sent to the church in Sardis in the book of Revelations, chapter number three, verse one. He says to the church in Sardis, he says, I know your works. And that's a very sobering thought on its own, isn't it? You know, all, all our shadows and smoke screens, God knows our works. And he comes to the church in Sardis and he says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Do you know what that tells me? God sees through all our smoke screens, all our leaves, all our style, and look at this, look at that, look at our marketing, and I see, and I'm looking for substance. Doesn't mean we toss style out and all of a sudden just have church in a tent with an overhead projector and, you know, wear rags. No, that's not the solution. Style and substance. So when, just like Jesus coming to the fig tree that had, had leaves, which is an indicator we should find fruit. The Bible says Jesus was hungry, so he, he, he saw a fig tree with leaves. Oh, there's, there's, you're signaling life. Your virtue signaling that you have something by all this flash and fanfare. But sure enough, when Jesus turns up and he looks amongst the leaves, there's no flipping figs. And he's like, he cursed the fig tree and said, let no one ever eat figs from you again because God hates hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. He hates leaves and style, but no substance. We have a world that is looking for more than flash. They're looking for life. 
They're looking for fruit. They're looking for something that they can draw from and eat from that will bring nutrients to their body and help them grow. So it's not just style, it's substance. It's not just substance, it's style. Because understand, if you don't have a level of relevance, people aren't going to see you got substance. Because you're still in driving a horse and buggy in the 1980s or whatever it may be, still in your mind while you're in 2023. But nobody's seeing your substance because your outside is so irrelevant. Are you picking up what I'm putting down today? God is balancing the scales. The next one. Contentment, whether abased or abound. Whether abased or abounding. So this is what Paul spoke in Philippians. I have learned to be content whether I am abased, whether I'm going without, or whether I'm abounding, whether I'm in blessing. And we have to get comfortable with these two spheres of the Christian life. And we're coming out of an era again where we have wrongly projected on our children that they should never have a bad day or a bad feeling or a bad thought. And if there's, they do, then something's wrong and they need to go on medication or we need to make it right immediately. But we've got to get a little bit more robust at the point of hardship. We've got to be able to endure a thing or two and teach our children to do the same. The Bible tells us that we're to endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ. If I have any major beef with the ideology of the left, and I have a lot of beefs with the ideology of the left, it's that they create weak people. They tell you that if you have a bad feeling or you hear something you don't like or experiencing something that's unpleasant, then we're going to put you in a safe room with a puppy and a lump of Play-Doh. And we're not creating humans that know how to live life well and robustly. And wouldn't it be just like the devil to weaken America and weaken the church by weakening the people? We aren't weak, we are strong. The Bible tells us, and this is God prophesying, even though you may feel weak, say, declare you are strong. This is who you are. Let the weak say, I am strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Somebody say amen and receive the word of the Lord. I am rebalancing the scales. It doesn't mean we're not going to live blessed and favoured. But Jesus often put together the two ideas, the two colliding traits that with favour and blessing will come persecution. And we've got to be able to handle some potential fiery furnace moments without crumbling and falling apart. The Bible says if we faint in the adverse day, and, and I say this not to prophesy doom and gloom, but to be honest with you, adverse days are going to come. When you read the book of Revelation, if you read the Bible, you'll see that there is some persecution that is about to be launched. And I believe every generation will experience their fair share of hardship. So the important thing is, is that we are content when, when we're on that mountaintop and all our vision card things, we've got a big old tick next to them. But at the same time, we're not throwing God and faith and church attendance and devotion out when we go through a bad day. Can somebody say amen? God is rebalancing the, sta- the scales. And I have to move quickly. Mercy and truth. And this is so important. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that by mercy and truth, atonement is made for iniquity. As ministers, we are atoners. 
We're meant to be reconcilers of a lost, broken world to, to a loving father who sent his son to bridge the gap. We can't do it with just mercy. Mercy may attract people, but it will not free them. It will not change them. It will not liberate them. We can't just do it with brutal truth. And in this time and season, we have to be very careful because there are a lot of things to be mad at. And if you go on Instagram, a lot of the people that we typically follow are, are raging and ranting about all the evils of the world. And it's, it's true. They're right. But we have to be careful that we don't become truth heavy and mercy light. Truth heavy and mercy light. We can't, we can't toss truth out because we're living in the harvest of a generation, like Pastor Jürgen said, who tried to do that very thing. And look at the mess we're in, America. We need truth. We need truth. But we need mercy. God's mercy attracts people and God's truth liberates them and sets them free. Amen. Amen. So just remember, God is rebalancing the scales. Let's not pendulum swing. Faith and works. Faith and works. James says this. He says, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. And the reverse is also true. Can we truly do any good work on planet Earth without a level of faith in God? And Jesus said this. He said, when I return, will I still find faith on the Earth? He didn't say, will I still find love? Will I still find works? He said, will I still find Faith, And in this season, I really believe prophetically that miracles that come by the faith of God's sons and daughters when they lay hands on the sick and will recover, miracles are not going to just be desired. They're going to be required. As we see the corruption rise, especially in, our, in medicine, as we see corruption, we're hearing all kinds of statistics as corrupt men have grabbed a hold of our of our medical institutions, the same medical institutions that were set up by Christians to bring comfort and healing and restoration to people who were sick. They have harnessed, harnessed this. And remember, um, unbalanced, corrupt scales are an abomination to the Lord. So God sees it. And, and he's rebalancing the scales. But we're going to need some people that know how to stand and believe God for a miracle when we have a tidal wave of men and women who are now infertile or are suffering from cardiac issues or issues that they're now saying are permanent, we're going to have to come and we're going to have to stand and believe God for miracles and healing and for people who have been stricken with all kinds of mental illness due to the corruption of this season that we truly can lay our hands on the sick and they shall recover. We don't just need good works and we're always going to be about missions and helping people and caring for people, but we're always going to be believers, people that believe that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Amen, Leanne. And then finally, authority and service. In one of Jesus' final acts, he washed the feet of the disciples, and Peter was losing his ever-loving mind. Like, Jesus, you are too good for this. You pass this now, all right? Let the, let the servants, let the plebes do the feet washing. But, you know, Jesus was 100% authoritative Lord leader while still retaining 100% service. Let me say to you today, no matter how big we get, no matter how influential we become, and I pray that we all 
stand in the influence that God has destined us to have. We never graduate from serving. We never graduate from serving. Now let me, let me break it down just one level more. Jesus washed their feet. He got into the places that had been corrupted by walking in a dirty world. Isn't that amazing? Never forget, we are always servant ministers. Doesn't matter how many platforms I stand on, whether someone carries my Bible to the seat and brings me my coffee or not, I will always be a servant. I will always be a minister. I will always be engaged in washing away the filth that comes to a person's life because of the broken world that they fall on, that they walk on. Amen. All right. Well, I've got more to say, but I, the band is coming. So you come. All right. Yeah, come I want to prophesy. How good was that? Put your hands together. How good was that? All right. Let me, let me just, let me just kind of land right. this, and then we're going to open it up and, and, uh, and pray for people. Um, the point number three is that warfare is required. You know, so you, you buy your kids a Christmas gift, and it says batteries not included. But batteries required. So a lot of people think, well, you know, if if a word is released from heaven, then you know we should just kind of go out, buy a hammock, sit in the hammock with a margarita or a mojito, and just kind of watch for the word to come to pass. But First Timothy one eighteen, the apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Timothy. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, by them you should wage the good warfare. Our greatest, our greatest objective is to be leaders. Pastor Jesse, and you did this so many times, you and your beautiful bride, Angela who would lean into heaven and hear a word and then bring that heaven and speak it over a region, speak it over a person. Elijah, Elijah had to kind of clean out the false prophets of Baal. It was spiritual warfare. He had to take on the 450 prophets of Baal. But when they came down, all of a sudden he heard and he says, my, he says, Ahab, who was the king, he says, go back up to your palace and do what you do with your scepter and your royal crown and your ivory throne. You go up to your palace and eat and drink because I hear the sound and of abundance of rain. We've been living in a drought for many, many years that has devastated the economy. He says, but everything's about to shift because now that I've dealt with the false prophets, I can hear from heaven. Can I just tell you, the, the prophets of Baal were just reinvented. The, prophets, the, the, the false prophets is called fake news. And they're getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They're getting caught with their, their pants down. All the truth is coming out of the weaponization and the absolute uh, obfuscation and obstruction of, of the truth coming out about all kinds of things, all kinds of issues. And now that they're being exposed, what needs to happen is the Elijah church, the Elijahs rise up and begin to hear from heaven. But what's interesting is Elijah releases a word. Yeah. He says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. 
And the next thing he does is he goes back up to the same mountain where he just called down fire. He goes back up to the same mountain where he took on the 450 prophets of Baal. And the Bible says, and he bows with his face to the ground and begins to to go into spiritual warfare. He begins to pray until his eyes see what his spirit has heard. God said, God released a word and says, I'm going to deliver my people out of bondage, out of slavery, and I'm going to lead them through a wilderness into a land flowing with milk and honey. If you read the Scriptures, which we always encourage, you will find that God's intention was for the generation that received the deliverance to also be the generation that walked into the inheritance of the promised land. The problem was God delivered them from Egypt. He got them out of Egypt. But 40 years later, they still had Egypt in them. Even though they weren't physically and geographically living in Egypt, Egypt was still living in their mindsets, was still living in their value system, was still living in their heart, was still living in their paradigms, was still living in their conceptions. And so they continued to complain. They complained when they were slaves and now they're complaining, there's no food out here, there's no... And and so that generation perished in the wilderness. But a new generation, Joshua and Caleb, who believed God, who weren't whiners and complainers, they inherited the promise. And I say all of that to say this, is that just because a word is released does not mean it's automatic. That word requires warfare. And the biggest warfare is faith. The biggest warfare is believing. Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask for, Mark 11, 24, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. The biggest battle is believing. In this life, the biggest battle, that's why Pastor Leanne said, Jesus, when I return, will I really find faith in the earth? So let me just say this. So the greatest thing that can happen is every Sunday, we understand that the church is the gate of heaven. That, that you know, every one of our pastors, every one of our leaders that stands on this platform has spent time that week pressing into God. If you don't know how to press into God, it's very, very simple. The greatest gift. Now listen, you know, I've seen God do the most amazing miracles and the most extraordinary healings and, you know, prophecies. And I love all of those things. But the greatest gift to this day in my life was January 2, 1989, when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in heavenly language. I began to speak in other tongues. I'll tell you why. Because when I speak in tongues, the Bible says I'm in the Spirit. And as I'm praying in the Spirit, the earthly things around me begin to kind of die down and I become more conscious, more aware of spiritual things. And that's when I hear the Word of the Lord. When when Leanne was pregnant with, with Zoe, our youngest, we already had three sons. Leanne twice had me booked into the to the mutilator. I mean, the, excuse me, the butcher. I mean, excuse me, the... Uh, twice I wriggled out of it because God had spoken to me that He was going to give me a daughter. He hadn't finished yet. But after three boys, I mean, our, our boys would destroy the house. I mean, they would wrestle, st- furniture smashed, everything. So she's done. And, you know, to her credit, she was done. But God had spoken to me. And so we get pregnant with baby number four. And I know it's a little girl. And we go into the hospital and they say, well, 
gee, you know, it's a little girl. We can confirm that with the ultrasound, but there's some issues here. We want you to come back. So we have to go back for a second ultrasound. This time it's a 300-point ultrasound. And instead of them saying, oh, no, everything's fine. You know, we, there were some things that didn't show up on this one. Now it's very, very clear. We need you to go into the doctor's office. We walk into the doctor's office. There's not one doctor. There's three of them sitting there with the white lab coats on. And they said to us, listen, uh, unless you're prepared to have a severely disabled, mentally handicapped child, we would suggest that you abort this fetus. God had told us we're having a daughter. They confirmed that it was a daughter, but here was this negative report. Leanne didn't ask for this baby, so she's obviously very upset saying, why would God do this? And I'm like, baby, I'm not sure if He did. So we drive home, I go get my guitar, go straight into my closet and just begin to worship. And I'm telling you, God knows, God knows I ain't leaving this closet till He speaks. I, I ain't, I am not, I've had my wrestles. And then the Word of the Lord came to me, James 1.17. And I'm like, oh man, uh, be patient in trials. James 1.17, uh, persecution, double-minded. I'm, I'm like, he's like, look it up. So I had to look it up and it says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Then the Word of the Lord came to me and said, Jürgen, what I've put inside Leanne is good and it's perfect. I am still knitting her, I have not finished. I'm still putting it together, I have not finished. Don't listen to the doctors. And so we just began to release the Word. I wrote that Word on a piece of card, put it on Leanne's bedside table, wrote another one on mine, put one in her car, one in my car, one in her Bible, one in my Bible. And every morning and every evening, we would just speak the Word of God. We would go to warfare, we would declare the Word of God. The night before Zoe was born, I had a dream and in the dream, Leanne pulled up in her car and all of a sudden it wasn't her car, it was a hearse. And then the, the, the tailgate opened and there was a little baby coffin. And when I took the lid off the coffin, there was this cute little blonde hair, blue eyed girl with a Down syndrome face. And I woke up and I'm like, it's the devil, it's the devil. I didn't realize at the time, God was trying to show me and it was, it was months later, somebody interpreted the dream. They said, no, no, pastor. That wasn't the devil, that was God telling you that that curse that they put over was dead. Because the very next day Zoe was born and she was perfect. So come on, I want you to stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. Pastor Jess and Angel tell you, there's, there's nothing greater, there's no higher privilege, is there, than hearing a word from heaven, being entrusted by the God of heaven to release it in the earth. I wish that God, you know, would honor all of my words. And I've, I've got, kind of got a little bit of a, a thing going on with him, which is really, he's very, very kind. But God only backs up his word. False prophets in the Bible, the Bible says in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that these people say, thus saith the Lord. And God's like, no, I didn't. They would say, I've seen a vision. And he says, they never saw a vision. I didn't show them a vision. They're prophesying out of their own hearts and I won't honour their words. We love you too much to they thus saith the Lord when God isn't speaking. But we also love you enough to create a culture and an atmosphere where we have a Shmuel, where we have a culture where we actually will say, hey, don't live for 
that the temporal passing pleasures of this world live for kingdom things. We're doing 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. We're going to surge, but before we surge, we have to purge. But there's got to be a purge before I can surge. Jesus has cast off the sin and the weight that so easily entangles that you may be able to run. So, so we're doing that. Why? Because we want to unblock our ears. We want to open our eyes. The future is yours to see. What a vision is, is God giving you a picture, a vision of your future. In fact, I tell people that vision is a postcard of your tomorrow that God shows you today. Wow, I'm going to be in Positano. I like that. God will always, that's what vision is. You were created to be a futurist. You were created to be a future creator. But can I just say to you, some warfare is required. When you get that word, don't just sit back. When you get that word, you speak that word, you pray that word, you stand on that word, you declare that word, you war that word. How long do I do it? Like Elijah, till your eyes see what your spirit heard. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. God gave me a word for America and it's a word for us. And He said that uh, Christianity, Christianity flourished long before there was an America. America did not create Christianity, but Christianity created America. Christianity created, and there's an attack to destroy America. There's an attack to take down America. And the word of the Lord came to me and said to me, Jürgen, you do not need to be afraid, even though it looks like the wicked are winning and they're overthrowing and they're destroying and they're open borders and they're creating chaos. And he says, they will not prevail because the same Christianity that birthed America is still alive. It's not a flickering flame. It's, an, it's a flame that is growing by the day. It is growing into an inferno. This next awakening... America will not fall while the flame of the Christian faith. Father, I thank you right now for sons and daughters. I thank you for faith. Reignite faith. We reignite faith. If you look around the, the Jack Prosobics and the Charlie Kirks and the David Harris Juniors and the Lance Wallnows and, and the General Flair, they, they all got one thing in common. They're all got a faith. They got a faith in God. Who's rising in this hour? It's the faithful warriors. It's the Christians. It's the it's the people that answer to a higher authority and let me just pray right now pastor leanne i'm going to get you to come up um, leanne's word i believe was the word of the lord that god hates god hates dishonest scales you know who does dishonest scales dishonest people deceitful people what they would do in those days is they would put put a weight underneath the, the scale so when you bought 10 figs oh my gosh that's more expensive than yes well that's just the the weight and so you'd put the the, the silver or whatever it was on they would put dishonest to get more money we lived in 2020 2021 2022 with the devil doing dishonest scales and Leanne heard the word of the Lord for 2023. God hates the dishonest scales and He's rebalancing the scales. I say all of that to say this. If you lost business, if you lost relationships, if you lost territory, maybe you had overcome an addiction. 
overcome alcoholism or substance abuse, but just the stress and the pressure of watching your business shut down or being forced to take you know, a, a medical shot against your will to keep your job or, or, or being isolated or, or watching your, your business go under and you lost. You lost relationally, you lost emotionally, you lost financially. Can I just tell you that God is rebalancing the scales What that because a false scale is an abomination to God. So if that's you, if you need God to balance the scales, I want you to lift your hands. Pastor Leanne's going to pray right now. She's going to release that word and you, re- you receive that word. You receive it today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are rebalancing the scales today. Everything that was stolen, Father, through fraud, through deception, through corruption. Father, everything that was released through these wicked spirits, these unbalanced scales, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we we curse the devil and we declare the power of God restores that which was stolen. Father, for everyone who has received or released, had released to them anxiety or some kind of mental illness because of the deception and corruption of this past season. Right now, Father, I thank you that you are rebalancing the scales. We declare over you today, the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Father, you have not given us a spirit of intimidation, of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. God is rebalancing the scales in your favor today. Where there was anxiety, Fear, depression has gripped you like a vice. Love, power, and a soundness of mind is your portion from the Lord. God is rebalancing the scales. All those who were cheated and robbed financially, deceptively, fraudulently because of the corruption of this past season, God is rebalancing the scales. I see business deals that look like they've flatlined. They've disappeared. Well, that's that money's gone, right? I'm never going to see it again. Just wait and see what the Lord will do. Just wait and see what the Lord will do. God is stretching out His hand. God is balancing the scales. I see Him slapping away the hand of the criminal and the thief and the devourer. God Himself is rebalancing the scales. For those who are suffering medically in their body right now, with issues in their health. I see infertility problems and heart conditions. And there was a fraudulent, deceptive spirit released across the earth and the scales were imbalanced. They were an abomination to the Lord. God is rebalancing the scales today. We release healing right now in the name of Jesus. We release the healing power of God. Every heart condition, Every problem with infertility right now, we declare fruitfulness. We rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus and we declare you are a fruitful vine. Miracle babies will come out of this meeting today in Jesus' name. I especially see around mental illness a lot of people struggling in their mind with fearful thoughts, with anxiety, with night terrors. God is rebalancing the scales, my friend. We declare you will sleep the sleep of peace. You will wake up refreshed. You will not be troubled during the day and you will not be tormented at night 
for God is rebalancing the scales in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, this is what we're going to do, Pastor Samuel. This is what we're going to do. Remember when we were youth leaders, both Samuel and I at one point were youth pastors and we used to finish youth meetings by getting everyone down on the altar and we'd, we'd just kind of sing and we would sing sticking it to the devil. The Bible says that God gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When, they, when the enemy comes in trying to put some heavy guilt trip or some heavy situation or some heavy issue or some heavy weight or burden on you, God gives you the garment of praise. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is sing your way happy. Sing your way to breakthrough. The Bible says, sing, O barren, a barren womb. He says, sing, barren woman, because I'm about to open your womb. But you, what you sing about, you're going to bring about. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.